Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Well, I'm excited. We are uh, today going to start a new series called Motivated by Love. And that series, this series is going to play out through the entire month of April. And so I want to encourage you to uh, really dig in, invite as many people as you can, because Motivated by Love is all about the actions, the, the things that Jesus did that were motivated purely by his love for you and me. I think that if we would look at the Bible through that lens, we would see that Jesus did so much and had so many reasons for what he was doing. He was motivated by love. And this week we're going to focus on the triumphal entry. We're going to focus on that, that moment when Jesus walked into Jerusalem, or he actually didn't walk. He rode on a donkey into Jerusalem. It was a crazy moment when Jesus uh, took this ride on this donkey, which was a, a really a king's privilege. It was what a king would do. He'd ride on this donkey, and um, he, he, why he did that, he was uh, worshipped by all these people that were throwing palm branches down on the ground. It was a, a symbol of honor, a symbol of worship, and they were throwing, and they were excited because what they believed was that Jesus was going to be the physical king of, of their nation, that he was going to come in and overcome. He was going to come in and take over from the Roman Empire. What they didn't know is that he had a completely different way of acting like a king. And so I want to encourage you as we go through this message that um, we're going to see the very thing that really triggers Jesus uh, in a completely different direction. Here we have this, this, this triumphal entry, this amazing experience that Jesus is having. He's riding in on a donkey. Everybody's singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, our Savior, our Savior, or the one who saves. And they're so excited about him. And he's, this is the first time he's really truly allowing people to acknowledge him as king. But they had a different view of what that kingship was. And so there's a celebration, this thing is going on, and then we find in Luke chapter 19, verse 41, this incredible moment right at the end of the triumphal entry. And it's a, it's a, it's a heartbreaking moment. It's a moment that um, most of us would go, well, what happened? What, why did we go from big celebration to all of a sudden this moment? Luke 19, verse 41 says this, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. He wept over it. I don't know about you. If you're looking in your Bibles, maybe you're in your Bible app, whatever it is, maybe you want to highlight this. Because when he says, when, when the Bible says he wept over it, there was something significant that, that happened in that moment. I think it's one of those moments that showed his motivation, that showed why Jesus was doing what he was doing. And then he says, and said, it says, okay, so I'll read it again. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. I can't imagine what Jesus might have been feeling. I mean, we can't imagine that um, he was brokenhearted. This was a broken moment for Jesus. Here he had all these people worshiping. All, he had all these people uh, uh, saying great things about him and worshiping him and, and treating him like a king. And then he looked over the city of Jerusalem and he saw something. And what he saw made him weep. And what he, what he came to do 
made him weep. He, he came because he loved people. And so he weeps. And, why, and, and from that point on, he continues to walk into Jerusalem into the hands of his crucifiers. Now, when he says, even if you had only known, here's an interesting thought. The reason he said that was simply this. If, if you love someone and they don't receive your love, what would you feel? What would you think? What would you, what would you express? And this is what he's saying. He's saying, you, you missed my love. You missed my message. You missed what I'm trying to communicate to you. And the reason was, is because people were blind. He said, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The love that Jesus was trying to express was completely blind. Uh, the people were completely blind from receiving it. The reason was for Pharisaism or, or, or the Pharisaical thinking, the, the legalistic thinking that the Pharisees brought into uh, a faith and religion. They made it so much about the rules and regulations that they lost sight of the relationship. The religiosity, the blindness to who Jesus was. Some of us it, that have been in church for a long time tend to lean this direction when we think that the behavior is more important than the relationship. Well, the, be, the relationship encourages the behavior. But if we lose that order, then it becomes legalism. And that's what happened. Jesus was brokenhearted because the people were so engrossed in all of the rules and regulations that they didn't see the importance of his relationship with them. Wow. Wow, he wept. He wept. Have you ever wondered about people's motivation? We're going to take this little switch. In just a moment, I'll come back to this whole idea of Jesus weeping. But what, why did he weep? Why? Because he loved so much? Why did he weep? I, I know uh, when I get together with people, sometimes I, I, I'm like, what's his reason for doing that? What's the motivation behind somebody doing that? When we talk about being motivated by love, we can ask the question. I think it's a fair question. What was Jesus' motivation for love? What was motiv his motivation for sharing the love that he shared? What was his motivation for crying? In our legal system, we talk about motivation from a different perspective. We talk about uh, first and second degree murder. If you think of these, uh, these, these crimes, the, the degree is determined by the motivation. Was there an intention? Was there an intention to kill? Was there an intention to murder somebody? Third degree murder, or what is called manslaughter, is there was no intention. It was an accident, but someone died as, as a result of the accident. And so there's this determination of motivation. Motivation is really the determination of intention. What was your intention? Why did you do what you did? What was behind what happened? I think it's interesting that we can have good deeds motivated by bad reasons. I think we can have good deeds motivated by bad reasons. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 6 when he says, pray, but pray in private. Don't pray like the Pharisees do who think that if they get on the street corner and they yell and they make this big spectacle of themselves, that that's something. It's, it's an ego feeder rather than a, a true expression of love. He also says, give, give in secret. Don't give in public for everyone to see. Don't let your right, your right hand know what your left hand is doing. In other words, keep your, your giving to yourself and between you and God. And when that happens, he honors it. But he says that even a good practice, 
can have a negative motivation. And I think that's a really important for us to understand is that motivations can be for the wrong reasons. Why did Jesus weep? Why did Jesus do what he did? Why did Jesus walk in to this um, a group of people that he knew was going to crucify him? Why did he do that? I believe one of the biggest reasons and the simplest reasons is that he loves us. He loves us because we were lost. He loves us because we were blind. He loves us because we're that prodigal child that walked away and that was not in relationship with him. It was the intention from the very beginning of creation that you and I would relate to God. And because of that brokenness, because of sin in our lives, we are separated from him. We're lost. We're blind. And he can't handle that. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want anything like that for our lives. And so the result is, is that he does something pretty incredible. He weeps over a community of people that had rejected his, his love. They are lost. They're lost like sheep without a shepherd, the Bible says. And, and he's, he's, he's uh, completely broken over it. I think the reason Jesus wept is simply this simple answer. It's because he loves us. Just because he loves us. His motive was pure. It was not one of those motives that was, was uh, uh, self, um, self-motivated. It wasn't his ego that he was trying to please or, or something like that. It was simply because there was a broken relationship that he could not stand. That there would not be an answer for his relationship. John 3.16, the famous verse says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that, so that, whoever believes in him will have eternal life. That so that is the motivation, is the reason why he did what he did. Why did he give us Jesus? So that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. So that whoever believes in him will have a relationship with him forever. Romans 5.8 says this, But God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while there was nothing to gain for Jesus, but everything to gain for us, he died for us. That's the kind of love that shows the right motivation. That's the kind of love that shows that he genuinely cares, that he genuinely is concerned for our lives. The most pure motivation of love is when there's nothing to gain. The most pure motivation of love is when there's nothing to gain. Jesus went on this journey to pay a debt that, we, that he did not owe so that we could have our debt that we could not pay. That, so he could pay our debt. And the power of this truth is simply this. God demonstrates his love. God's motivated by love. It's everything about him is about the love that he wanted to express to us. And again, there's no way that he could share this love for his own personal gain because we didn't have anything to pay back. We didn't have anything that we could give him to to earn that love. We didn't have anything that would work to, to redeem ourselves. Romans 8, 1 through 3 says this, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Listen to this, verse 3. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. In other words, there's nothing that we can do in in and of ourselves to redeem ourselves. It goes on to say, God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Jesus paid the debt. 
Jesus paid the debt of sin. Jesus made it possible for you and I to, to be saved. Why? Because we go back to John 3, 16. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that you and I can have relationship with him forever. That barrier that kept us from him, that barrier that kept us from Jesus. Jesus said, no, that has to go. We have to knock down that barrier. And he became the bridge between us and him. So how do we know Jesus' motivation was love? Listen to this passage. Verse John, 1 John 3.16 says this. This is how we know what love is. This is the measurement of love. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. A simple verse, a simple truth that helps us to know what the measure is of love. What's in it for, for him? Nothing. Nothing. He is giving everything of himself so that you and I have the biggest gain. His motive purely is love. Here's a great statement. The absence of love is self. The absence of self is love. When we're motivated by love, self goes away. When we're motivated by ourselves, love goes away. And it becomes all about us, all about what we're about. And I think the, the, the true measurement of God's love, the true measurement of his motivation is to understand that it was a total sacrifice. He w went through that triumphal entry. Everybody's praising him. God, we love you, Jesus. We love you. Hosanna. You're the one who saves. And then right at the end of it, he gets to see Jerusalem and he weeps. He weeps. Why? Because he loves us so much. Because he loves us so much. And he's willing to take that walk, not just to stop there, but to walk all the way into Jerusalem, into the hands of his crucifiers. Listen to what Luke 2, uh, 23 says when Jesus is on the cross. Here's another evidence of his motivation. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to, a pl to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals. One on his right, one on his right, one, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the soldiers that are divvying up his clothes, that are, that are gambling for his clothes. He's talking about those soldiers that are right at his feet and, and, and mocking him and calling him names and doing all kinds of crazy things, all kinds of respectful things. What does Jesus do? He says this, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He, they don't know what they're doing. In their case, this would be manslaughter. They didn't intend on doing what they're doing. They're, they're, they're accidentally, they have no idea. There's no plan or intent to kill the Son of, of God. And so Jesus, in his pure motive, says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. This is a God who is motivated by love. This is Jesus who loves regardless of what he gets back. While he hangs on a cross, he's asking for the forgiveness of people. 1 John 4, 7 through 10 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. It's, it's just who he is. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we may live through him, have life. This is love, 
not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. That's amazing. The atoning sacrifice, in, in plain language, that means he paid the debt. He paid the debt. There's no debt we could, we could not pay anything to him to earn the right to be righteous and saved and, and have eternal life with God. He paid it for us. That is love. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Our debt is paid. That's God. That's his love. He's motivated not by anything other than he loves you and me. When my, um, when my daughters got old enough to start dating, it was the first time in my life where I had actual murderous thoughts. I know that sounds crazy. I never planned anything. I never, you know, but in your head as a parent and as a, a father of two daughters who I love, whom I love dearly, the first guys that ever showed any interest in them, I knew what their motive was. And I knew, I knew that I had to do everything I could to keep these spawn of the devil away from them. And just keep them from entering into my daughter's lives and, and, and messing them up. And, and you know what? In some cases, I was right. In some cases, I was right. They were not good guys for my daughters. They didn't have good motivations. But my youngest daughter eventually met this guy named Josh. And she met this guy named Josh. And Josh is in the room, so I'm going to be careful what I say about him. But uh, it's all good. My daughter was going through one of the most difficult times in her life personally. And they started to, to date and they started to, to go through life together. And my daughter hit bottom. My daughter hit a point in her life where uh, we were all very, very concerned for her. Not, not that she was doing anything necessarily wrong, but emotionally she was challenged and, and troubled and, and going through some really dark, deep stuff. And here's what convinced me of Josh's motive. He stayed with her. Guys that would have had a motive to just simply please themselves wouldn't have stayed. But Josh showed me, and this is one of the things that transformed my life and transformed my view of Josh, is when he stuck it out and when he showed his love and when he didn't quit, and when he kept loving my daughter. And it was a difficult time. And I'm so proud of Josh, and I'm so proud of Caleb, my other son-in-law, whom I trust with my daughters, because I've seen their love. I've seen their motivation. It's not about themselves. It's not about who, what, what they can gain in the relationship. It's been about what they can give to my daughters. And, and yeah, no, no one's perfect, myself included, in our relationships. But God is, it, it's a beautiful expression of what it means to love when the motive isn't to gain. When the motive is selfless rather than selfish. When the motive is all about love and expressing that love to the person or the object of your love. This is the very nature of who Jesus is. This is the very nature of, of the, 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 the likeness and, and character of Jesus. Is that his only desire for you and for me is to restore the relationship that we have with him. To restore a relationship that was broken because of our sin, our mistakes, not his, 
ours. And he walked into this world and he, he came and he came out of heaven and he came down to earth so that you and I could experience his love, could experience the joy of knowing that we have life and life eternal. Jesus was motivated by love. Jesus was motivated to sacrifice himself. If we were to put a degree, like first and second degree murder, that's intentional murder. That was a plan, or maybe not a plan, but it ended up being murder through a violent act. That's first and second degree murder. Second, first, third degree murder is manslaughter, accidental death. But here's Jesus. Jesus would have first degree love for you and me. He has first degree love for you and me because he loved us intentionally and he intentionally came into this world to die for you and me so that we could have life that's motivated by love that's motivated by everything that Jesus brought into this world what a powerful picture what a powerful picture of the reality of the kind of love we need to show our world but before we do that let's embrace the love that he's shown us Let's embrace the love that he's given us. Let's embrace that, that first degree love that he gave us on purpose. He loves you. Maybe today you're not feeling loved. Maybe today you're not feeling that, that sense of, 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 of self, selflessness from somebody in your life. Well, you can experience that love from Jesus today because he loves you like no other. There's one passage of scripture, that last passage of scripture I want to share with you before we receive communion together. It's 1 Corinthians 13, and it, it describes Jesus so well. It says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's a much bigger passage than a wedding passage. That's the very description of who Jesus is. It's the very description of the, the Jesus that is motivated by love to redeem you and me. And I want to invite you today to embrace that love, to embrace that reality that, that Jesus truly does love you for no other reason than he wants the best for you. He wants the best for your life. He wants to give you eternal life so that you don't have to ever experience the punishment of sin. Throughout this week, we'll continue to focus and concentrate on what Jesus has done for us. What motivated him to go and die? What motivated him to raise from the dead? What motivated him to, to show himself after his resurrection? What motivated him to send the Holy Spirit to work in our lives? That's what this next month looks like. But today, embrace, embrace his love. Embrace his love for you and for me and for everyone that we come in contact with. There's no other that loves like Jesus. There's no other that loves like him. If you're here today, if you're watching, I want to invite you right now. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe you're sitting at home and you're kind of flipping through op opportunities to watch. And maybe you, you've been encouraged to watch this, this message today. I want to invite you to accept Jesus Christ into your heart. 
I want to invite you to ask Jesus to come in and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I recognize that I'm a sinner and I made mistakes in my life, but I accept that you'll forgive me of my sin because you were motivated by love to die on that cross for me. And Jesus, I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I believe that you were raised from the dead and I will live with you forever. That's the prayer you can pray today. Let me pray with you and ask, and you can repeat this prayer after me and accept and receive Jesus Christ into your heart today. Jesus, I admit that I've made mistakes. I've sinned. I've done things that I'm not proud of. And I pray right now that you would forgive me of my sin. And I acknowledge that motivated by love, you died on a cross so that my sins could be forgiven. And I also acknowledge that three days later, you rose from the dead and you resurrected so that I could have eternal life, life forever. And today I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me hope. Thank you for giving me life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, that is the best prayer you could ever pray. And I hope and pray that you'll let us know if you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And maybe you've already accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Today is the day where you get to embrace that love, embrace that motivation that Jesus had for you and me, that he was motivated by love to do everything he did. Don't let him weep over you. Don't be blind, don't be legalistic. Don't, don't, don't worry about religiosity. Embrace the relationship that Jesus has with you. In fact, let's do that right now by receiving communion. Hopefully you at home have prepared uh, some crackers and some juice. And I'm just gonna read a passage of scripture uh, with you and then we're gonna receive these elements together. The bread and the juice. And this is what the Bible says about communion. It says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Heavenly Father, I pray for this symbol of bread. I pray that we would never forget the sacrifice you made to allow your body to be broken for us. And so Lord, we receive it now as it is blessed. And we thank you for the sacrifice you made to allow your body to be broken for us. Bless this symbol now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take the bread. Jesus, we pray right now for this cup, this symbol that represents your blood. Your word says that forgiveness of sins cannot occur without the shedding of blood, without a sacrifice. And we thank you for being that sacrifice that was motivated by love so that you could bridge the gap between us and you. That sin that created that gap, you've forgiven us and we are today completely clean and completely righteous. I pray that you bless this cup right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's been a pleasure to talk with you today. I hope you're ready for this great week. 
that we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And I want to invite you to join us this Friday night at 630. We're going to have a great time of worship in the Word. And then on Sunday at 10, stay connected with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the different social media platforms, include YouTube and uh, our website. We love you. Karen and I love you so much. We're praying for you. Let us know if you need anything. And God bless you. And thank you for being with us today. We love you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.